please do have a seat. Good morning, everyone. If you've just walked in and have no idea what's going on, then it's lovely to see you. Uh, My name's Claire. I'm one of the team here. And this is kind of part of our vision day. So we started this morning all together uh, with uh, reminding ourselves about what we have to be thankful for. We not only have a God who is good, he is rich in blessing us. And uh, maybe over lunch, you might want to take a little bit of time to have a look at our washing lines of praise. Uh, The things that we love about being a family together, they're things, uh, happy memories of the last year, and then our prayers for Burlington as well. So do take some time to have a look. It's hugely inspiring. And there are many things on there that perhaps you might not have known about because another part of the church were doing it and you weren't involved. So please do uh, spend some time having a look at those. If you are a child and in here, you're not supposed to be. No, they've all gone. Brilliant. Uh, So the children and uh, young people are already out doing stuff. Uh, But we are going to spend an hour and 20 minutes together um, thinking about what do we see. And Simon's going to lead us now. Great. Thanks, uh, Claire, very much. Our theme for the overall day is thankful and generous. What, what do we see? We see a church that is thankful and uh, generous. Mark, is it possible to have this TV at the back on as well? Or does that... Okay, so projector's dead. That means that TV isn't working. These screens will work. Hope your eyesight's really good. Uh, If you're not looking at me, that'll be normal. So here we go. A church that is generous. How? How are we a generous church? I guess we've all got different ways that we would quickly and suddenly answer that uh, question. Firstly, we're a generous church through our Burlington communities, week in, week out, over 18 communities in different ways, in different places, at different times, with different contexts, meet, serve, and love. People turn up to cook week on week for lunch club. People open up their homes uh, when they're not sure they want to. Hospitality is making people feel at home when you wish they were. And in different ways, we offer, you'll need to speed up, it's going to be a long morning if your response is that slow, offering friendship, providing love, going the extra mile, making Jesus known, a massive shout out to our communities that just go on week in, week out in a beautiful way. And you will have heard so many of the testimonies over these last few weeks as the young people have shared testimony, as people have been baptized and so on, common thread through all of those stories is that there was a community of people around them helping them making the journey possible. As you've heard me say at other times and at other places, that without our communities, there would be little story for us to tell here at Burlington. And with new ones on the horizon, and one we're about to launch this afternoon, it's all very exciting. So, what is your missional vision? We'd love to continue to help all of us, to help you be the church with the people, and in the places where God has already put you. 
If you were to start a community, what would it be based around? What do you love to do? What, what is a passion or an act of service that God has placed in you? And if you were to start a community, who would be in it? Burlington is a generous church through its communities, but also a generous church through its mission partners. We have over 20 mission partners that we are working hard to support. We're super grateful to Dave and Linda. Give them a, give them a cheer or something for helping, helping us to promote them on a Sunday and pray for them. Our involvement in these mission partners, as I begin to think about it, is quite exceptional, if not extraordinary. Whether it's the ministry team helping Ipswich International Church with their learning community, or church members spearheading different ministries, Sherry with Beam, Linda with Oasis, Josh with CYM, Rachel and Josh with Soul Edge, Andrew and Becky with Lightwave, Simon Alan, Kerry and me with Inspiring Ipswich, Simon with TLG, Joel with Kinsuki Hope, Chris and Liam with Root to Freedom, Alan with Raising Families, John with Happy Homes, Kerry with Accessible Prophecy, Nancy with Perspective, Shuna with Inspire, Mark with The Night Shelter, Claire with Form. (gasps) Have I missed you? Huge apologies if I have, but that's a quick flavour of the way together we express the generosity of who we are. You see, there's no such thing as a generous church in an abstract organizational sense. Burlington is a generous church because its people are generous people and that's expressed in so many ways. And just this last week, Linda has become a chaplain at the university. Give her a round of applause and she's going to say something about that now. Thank you. What an opportunity. So a couple of weeks ago, we had Wednesday. Fortunately, on the Thursday, lots and lots of people came, and so our Thursday was over full, but nobody for a Wednesday. That Sunday, Dave and I were sitting in bed, scrolling through Facebook, like we do on a Sunday morning, and I saw an advert for the chaplaincy job, a part-time job at college here in Ipswich. I've done chaplaincy work before and really in it. So immediately I thought, wow, I could apply for that job. That would really suit me. I'd love to be involved in that mission, working with students again, as well as continuing to work with Oasis English Language School. We came into church and somebody in church said... I'm really fed up of the way, or words to this effect, I'm really fed up of the way that people are always really thankful to God after they've got a job, but nobody ever says they're going to apply for a job, basically because they look really silly if they don't get it. So at the end of the service, I walked up to Simon and said, Simon, I've just seen this advert, I'm going to apply for this job, will you be a referee? I went and spoke to Harold from the International Church the same day, and whoever I happened to pass in the street, I told them too that I was going to apply for this job. So I applied and was interviewed this week on Tuesday and was delighted that God has given me this job. So I'll start. I'll start on the 21st of October. 
opportunity to reach out to students, both young and old, at both the college and the university. I'll be based there for three days a week, and I'll be doing language lessons on a Thursday. So it would be a great joy if you would join me in giving thanks and in praying for it as well. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Linda, very much. Uh, someone quickly come and pray so we can all say the Amen. Someone quickly, it's a confusing language. Father, we're so grateful that this job just seems so prepared for us. Amen. 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 Great. So a, a generous church, Burlington Communities, mission partners, and quietly but year on year we give away uh, around £35,000 to ministries locally and around the globe. That's no small thing, is it? And uh, I'm sure you join me in being thrilled to be part of a church that wants to bless what God is doing to the ends of the earth. The Generous Church, Burlington Communities, Mission Partners, and our resource ministries, like prayer ministry that quietly goes on week by week. We don't often shout about it. People's stories are personal, but some beautiful, amazing profound things happen quietly week by week in people's lives. Cracking communication has seen people grow, not just in public speaking, but in speaking up and speaking out. Uh, I would have put down cracking communication as, in the earlier session as one of my, my top memories of this last year. It's so simple in terms of what we're trying to do, but what we've discovered is that when you open your mouth and you talk about the truth that God's placed within you, something incredible happens. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. And, and just a very simple exercise share one of the fruits of the Spirit and what it means to you and we'll go around and for me it's been one, one of the most rich, enriching experiences not to mention the TED Talks and the, and the service hosting and everything else that's followed from it loads of prayer, prayer uh, gatherings are blossoming, blossoming and counter prayer prayer for all as well as the men and ladies we've got Alpha, Freedom that you might have remembered Sarah and Francis talking about some months ago, a support for those with uh, eating struggles of one kind or another, open door at Christmas and so on. All of this represents people's time, their emotional energy, their personal investment, and it's just brilliant. A generous church, communities, mission, partners, resources, ministries, and we haven't even mentioned Sundays. Haven't the last few Sundays been brill? What a fantastic September of testimonies and baptisms and young people and a beautiful dedication uh, last week when John and Anna sang that song. Just uh, wonderful. It's the generosity of over 30 people every week that makes that happen. Every week, at least 30 people give of themselves to make it happen uh, the worship team, for example, some of the worship team were here already at 7.30 this morning. And a normal week, they're in by 8.30. And that happens week in, week out. We need to honor the people that serve so hard among us in those kind of uh, ways. Uh, and maybe you've noticed we've occasionally sung some songs and you've tried to Google it and it's not on YouTube yet. And you discover that someone in our community has just written it. God's doing some lovely Thanks. Turn to your neighbor and answer the question. As you think about Burlington, as you think about us being a generous church, what do you see? What do you see? Go.
Why? It's a good question. It's a good question. It would be in some senses so much easier to go back to the old metrics, which was to show up and pay up. That's how we measured what was happening in church life, certainly when I went through training. How many people showed up on a Sunday? How many people paid up into the offering? And you were either encouraged or disappointed, depending on the results of those metrics. Why all this energy on communities and mission partners and resources? Firstly, because it's our calling in the name of Jesus. There isn't any church, really, that isn't a cent church. All the stories almost in the New Testament are of people being sent out into homes, marketplaces, towns, villages and businesses. Our calling is to go and be transforming agents. And the promise that God will be with us is in the same phrase, the same sentence as that call for us to go. Our calling is to be sent. It's not just our calling, but it's our longing, isn't it? Our longing for family, friends, neighborhoods, and workplaces to be transformed by the power of the gospel. If you have a better idea, let's give ourselves to it. But actually we know that what changes individuals and therefore families and therefore neighborhoods, workplaces, and ultimately towns and cities is the transformation that Jesus brings. And I guess we know a little bit of what Jesus went through. You know, he walked into Jerusalem and it was, it was Passover time. Jerusalem was packed. It's a bit like, you know, a, a kind of a summer's day and everyone's walking from Flatford to Dedham, you know, the whole world. You went there for it to be quiet and tranquil, but everybody's there and you meet everybody you went on that walk to get away from. It's like that on this journey into Jerusalem. And it says that Jesus was the only one who stopped and he looked out over the city. And what did he do? He wept. He wept. And as we open our eyes in wonder and belief, as we talked about earlier, we also see the desperate need around us. We know exactly what Jesus meant when he said that the people are harassed and helpless. You don't need to watch the news for more than 10 seconds to see that people are like sheep without a shepherd. And honestly, would you agree with me that the last thing that we want to do is to sit here and sing our songs, however much we love them, and to listen to brilliant sermons, if that was ever possible, and not be changed out into the world. It's our calling. And it's our longing that we would be a people that make a difference in Jesus' name. And it's our delight. It's not a duty or a drudge. It's a delight. Partnering with what God is doing in the world is a privilege and an honor. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. We can join in with what God is doing. When you see your friend walk towards faith, it's not a drudge or a duty, is it? It's a delight. As you see your friends baptized, it's a joy, it's an honor, a privilege that God would use you in some small part of his purpose in their lives. We get to partner with what God's doing in our lives, in our town, and 
be on. So we're a generous church, not grabbing, but giving. It's a flow out, not a drag in. And Isaiah asked the question that we've been asking already this morning, what do you see? See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? Do you understand it? Do you comprehend it? Do you see it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Over a period of time, a number of different people have come to us and shared a picture that turned out to be the same. Carrie's just going to tell us a little bit about that. And as we've journeyed through that, about four or five different people were given the same picture from God, whilst unaware that anyone else had the same picture. The picture which we attempted to draw ourselves originally involved stick men and things like that, which was good. But we just had a sense that we needed to ask um, Angela Ashford, who is a talented artist and a real prophetic artist, to paint it up for us. So the picture was always the same. It was this beautiful image of our church. Angela, by the way, thought she didn't do a very good job of that, which I'm sure what a good job would look like. But it always had water flowing out of our church. In God said our church was becoming. And the words were uh, house of worship, freedom, invitation, happiness. And these kind of little uh, groups of people represent different communities around our town. It always came along with uh, some verses from Ezekiel 47, where the water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There'll be large numbers of fish because with this water flows the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Engedi, not wither, nor their fruits fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary. It, we were also given this word, which is bringing what's underground to overground. So we had a picture from uh, somebody we know while in Sheffield that said they saw our church as the ginger line. Now, the ginger line is where the underground meets the overground in London. And there was a sense of God saying that what's going on in our church is going to become more visible, noticeable to our town, make a difference in our town. And actually for us, there was a sense of actually maybe in a resourcing center, which is happening more and more. But this is such a beautiful image. And as Angela painted it, she's kind of uh, painted different sectors that we're already in, things like health, commerce, government. And where the color is, is the fact that we're starting to make an impact. It's a bit like color by numbers. Built to faith, you get to color so many squares. I am joking. <laughs> but this was a promise of what God is saying. We're becoming as a church. This is who we are. Alongside that, we had another uh, picture that's been very significant, which was the first picture was, and God said, this has the ability to feed many. I'm saying about our church we may have looked prettier previously. If we just leave that up on the screen for a moment. We're going to worship together in just a second. So if the band want to come and get ready. Really big up there, so you would have all seen it. But uh, try and look over there. And if not, get your glasses on or your magnifying glass out to have a look at this. You can obviously have a look later as well. But we're going to worship together and... I'd just like us to pause. What is God saying to you right now? It's a moment of silence. 
having heard what Simon and Kerry have just brought, what, what is God saying? Perhaps one of those Bible verses really jumped out at you. Perhaps as you think about that river. God is speaking. Don't miss what he's trying to say to you in this moment. So as we sing, let's have ears to God. He's got stuff to say to each of us right now. Let's worship together. Let's uh, remain in this attitude of worship. You might want to sit down and let's just use our God eyes and ears. What is he saying to you right now? I want you to imagine with me that you're sat, you're sat in that river, the river of grace, the river of healing and freedom, which is over you and cleanses you. It's a river that can only be God. His Let's just rest in that place for a moment in the stream. You're looking from left to right. What's growing on the banks? You. Or perhaps ask a different question. Who is God sending you to? Where is God sending you? And let's sing them as a prayer. Let's ask God to open our eyes, to break our voice as we sing this next song. Let's stand together. Right. Okay. Thanks, uh everybody. Um, I'm going to talk for a moment about money. When I say, in a second, I'm going to talk for a moment about money, I want you to say, yes, Simon, we'd love that. I haven't said it yet. In a moment, I'm going to talk about money. I feel encouraged, so I'll continue. You, you, You will know in your own family But it's not about the money, it's about the people and the relationships. And that sense of being a family is the biggest resource overwhelmingly. But you will also know that money does have an impact on all of that. Our greatest resource, our most precious resource is one another. And God's been so good to us. So, so good to us. But being God's family also requires some financial support. I want to paint a picture of where we are with our finances. It's not a new story. I hope you'll be familiar with it because you've heard John Chalmers, our treasurer, talk about it at a church meeting or you'll have read some of the summaries that we put in the CM updates over the past months indeed. Yes. But as we talk about generosity, it seems right for us to pause for a few moments to mention it here this morning. Our recent story began when unexpectedly an employer's, a local employer's matching scheme stopped so that money that we'd expected simply didn't arrive, not just for the year we were in, but obviously for subsequent years. We had, therefore, an unexpected gap. Is there something on the TV screens? Because I have no idea right now. Okay, so there we are. There's an unexpected gap. Red was our expenditure, or red represents our expenditure. Yellow was our income. This is not to scale. I'm just painting a picture, our church meeting in 10 days' time on Tuesday. You can have as much detail as you can possibly think about uh, then. So there's this gap. 
which we needed to set about closing. The only things we could do to close the gap was firstly to seek to reduce our expenditure and the staff have been brilliant at helping us over these last years to reduce our expenditure. We've cut back on some of the things that we thought we could cut back on without significantly impacting our life uh, together. And in part, or mostly in part, they've carried the burden for that. And uh, uh, it's worth us just acknowledging what both the finance committee and the trustees would say, that the staff have done a great job in that. And we need to be, as a church, grateful to them for it. In terms of increasing our income, there are only two options. The first is what we give. We're part of a church where we are solely and ultimately and only responsible for our own finances. Sometimes, if you've been part of other church streams and other church traditions, there is sometimes the understanding that there is a pot of gold somewhere from which we can draw. There might well be a pot of gold from which we can draw, but it is in our own pockets. So what we do, we pay for. If we build a church center, uh, we, in the name of Jesus, pay for it. How amazing was God's gift to us in that, for example, God has been so generous to us. Room hire is another way that we could generate a little bit more income. And uh, Tina, is Tina in the room at the moment? Tina's our room hire coordinator, has been absolutely brilliant at helping us increase our room hire income. And uh, maybe she'll be here later on, and let's remember to uh, honor her in that. She's done a fantastic job. Two things to note. How have we managed with a gap year on year? If we spend more than you've got, that's not a good idea. We have used, over the last few years, a fund that we build up from time to time called the New Projects Fund. The New Projects Fund is designed for... You smashed it. Well done. In a controlled and managed and planned way... There's nothing that's been chaotic or or taking us by surprise, really. We have chosen to use that fund to help us with our gap. Now, you don't need to be a mathematician to know what happens to that amount of money if you start spending it. It goes down. It's not down to nothing. But it's gone down considerably over these last couple of years. And in this last year especially, things have flattened out. It's hard to see how we can continue to reduce our expenditure without it either having a more significant impact on what we want to do as a church or by reducing that amount of money that we've talked about already that we give away to mission partners both locally and around the world world. Whilst room hire has continued to grow, again, we can't expect that to continue in the same vein. So looking forward, we have this scenario. It's not to scale, but the lines have got closer, but they're not meeting yet. Everything that I've just shared with you is an illustrative picture, except this next bit of detail, which is accurate fact, or real as it was five days ago. These figures move around a bit. But five days ago, the figure looked like this. The gap is about £7,200 per year between what we're budgeting to spend and what we anticipate 
we will receive in income. Now, given that our income is around 180,000, the 7,000 is a relatively small amount. I am encouraged. It's not a ginormous amount that means things are out of control, but it is a significant amount that we need to be aware of and we need to manage as we go into the future. It's my uh, belief that this is the year for us to have a final push to see those two lines come together so that we can put this particular financial season behind us and move into the future with confidence. We can do this. An extra £2 a week from the 70 regular givers would do it. Now, there are more people than 70 people who give, but what we mean by that is there are 70 people or units of people, it might be a husband and wife, it might be a whole family, uh, that give regularly, so we have a sense of what's coming in month by month. Or, to put it another way, if we all brought a quid every week we'd probably sort it out just through the coming year. An extra pound from all of us. Or maybe a bigger ask or a different ask. Uh, 12 new givers at 50 quid a month. Uh, 12 people tithing on an income of around 6,000 would do that. So what does all that mean? I think it means this. Oh, you can't read it, can you? Sorry, I forgot. (laughs) If we all do something, we'll smash it. If we all do something, we'll smash it. Am I being hopelessly optimistic or quietly faithful? Well, you can make up your minds about that. Are you feeling overwhelmed or a little anxious? What do you see? What do you see? Let me read the words on our website. For over 150 years... 163 to be precise, but who's counting? God has provided for the life of our church. Sometimes this has been in miraculous ways, but always through the generosity of our church family. We see generosity as an important part of all that it means to follow Jesus. And some of us follow the biblical principle of the tithe, giving 10%. We seek to be a generous church, giving away over 15% of our income to support partner missions around the town, the UK, and around the world. As far as possible, we try to build a budget around what we believe God is calling us to do as a church and trust in the words of the pioneer missionary Hudson Taylor that God's work, done in God's way, will never lack God's supplies. Regular offerings are so important, enabling us to work out a plan and work out and plan for the future. We'd encourage every member to give as part of the responsibility and privilege. After lunch, there will be an opportunity for you to chat away with John, our treasurer, if you have any issues, thoughts, questions, or you just want to chat about something else. He's very friendly and personable. He'll chat away with you happily. If it's about giving, all the better. But go and have a chat with John whilst we're looking at all the mission partner uh, stalls. Full details and stuff is on the website, and we'll put a lot more of the second layer of detail, if you like, at the church meeting a week on Tuesday. 
I mentioned the tithe or the principle of, of 10% that comes from the Old Testament. Sometimes people will say, I've got no idea how much to give. Where do I start thinking about it? Well, in the Old Testament, they started thinking about 10% of what you had. In the New Testament, people say, well, we understand that God's given everything for us. So at least 10% is a good place for us to begin our thinking. But to be honest, this is the case. True giving is never uh, about amounts. It is about our attitude. And God just wants us to give cheerfully. Don't give begrudgingly. Don't give because you feel guilty. Don't give because you have to. Give just out of the overflow. A sense of generosity for all that God has done in and through our lives. It's a private matter uh, between you and God. And it will always remain like that. So, a few thoughts about money. We're going to listen to God's word together. And uh, uh, Barbara's going to come and read to us now, I think. Just so you know, it wasn't me that preached that sermon over 50 years ago. Just in case anybody's thinking like that. Great, it's 20 minutes to lunchtime, everybody. Turn to the person next to you and tell them what you'd really love for lunch. Great, may I invite you to our seminar at lunchtime, Coping with Disappointment. Here we go, Ezekiel chapter 47, I hope you've got it open in front of you, Uh, a fantastic uh, chapter that uh, uh, speaks into our hearts and lives uh, this morning. You need to start though in Ezekiel chapter 43, so get a, a finger in chapter 43 and keep a finger in chapter 47 if you're using uh, something electronic, that's a metaphoric finger. So in um, Ezekiel chapter 43, it's the moment when the temple has been restored and the people uh, after its destruction and the the exiled people of God are coming back. And it's a, a magnificent picture of the temple, the church, with the life of God flowing from it to a broken, hurting and lost world. And in Ezekiel chapter 43, we are reminded that it is the Lord himself who fills the temple, who fills the sanctuary, who fills the gathering of his people with his glory. Then the man brought me to the gate facing east, this is verse 1 of chapter 43, and I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision I saw was like the vision I'd seen when he came to destroy the city and like the visions I'd seen by the Kabar river and I fell face down. The glory of the Lord entered the temple. Verse 5, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And we sing sometimes, don't we? Let your glory fall in this place. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. You notice already the references to river and water. River and water are in the scriptures so often a metaphor, a symbol for the life of God. The the psalmist said, you'll know these verses maybe, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Or Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures said, streams of 
living water will flow from within them. We long for the glory of God to fill his temple, to fill this place. I think it was Alice who was praying earlier about that sense of worship here in this place. When the glory of God fills this place, our lives and our hearts. Just like the psalmist, as the deer pants for water, so our souls long for you, O God. Let your glory fall in this place. But notice what happens, and we're back in Ezekiel 47 now. Notice what happens to the life of God, the river of God, metaphor for the life of God. Look what happens to the life of God when the glory of the Lord fills the temple. Verse 1, the life of God flows from uh, the altar. I've given you the verse 2 as well, but verse 1, the life of God flows from the altar. The altar was the place of sacrifice. Every altar in the Old Testament points forward to what? Hello? Points forward to what? The altar on which Jesus died. So every altar, every sacrifice, every moment that they go through that ritual for the cleansing of the people, the forgiving of sins, it points forward. In fact, Hebrews said that is just a shadow, just a picture, just a symbol, just a glimpse of the real deal that's coming in Jesus. The life of God flows from the altar. It begins at the altar and flows from it. In other words, everything about our life together begins and starts and has its meaning in the death and resurrection of Jesus. The flow of the life of God comes quite literally from the altar, quite literally from the cross. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And when we think about where we might be sent, we must always have in our minds that we are sent to a people for whom God already loves and has already died. Whether it be people at the university or people at Osis Language or people at Impact, people through Feet for the Street, people at a sewing cafe, whatever it might be, wherever, these are people for whom God has already died. We sang that amazing song, Reckless Love, earlier on. I've no idea whether it was early, early or just early. Uh, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. Chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. The life of God flows from the altar. The life of God flows which way? It flows out. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side. The direction in which the life of God flows is a flow out not a drag in from this temple, this sanctuary that's filled with the glory of God. It's an outward movement. And the further out 
the life of God flows, the deeper the river gets. This is super counterintuitive to the way that we have naturally absorbed and assumed things as Christians. We've been taught and understood that the more we come in, the more we do, the, the more we gather, the greater the life of God. But the life of God flows out from the gathering and gets deeper the further out you go. It starts as a trickle but gets deeper, which reminds us of the principle that we are a sent people. And I don't know who your heroes of faith are, but I can almost guarantee that whoever your heroes of faith are, they will illustrate this principle. When I grew up in the, uh, in the 70s and 80s, the heroes of faith were people like David Wilkinson, who went way out into the ghettos of Brooklyn and New York to reach drug addicts and gangsters. You with me? And he saw God move in a powerful, powerful, powerful way. And another hero was Jackie Pullinger, who went way out into the ghettos in Hong Kong and saw God move in incredible ways. Whoever your heroes are, I almost guarantee they will illustrate the principle that the further out you go, the greater the life of God flows, which demolishes two mindsets. People often say, I want a blessing. Why did you move to that church? I wanted a blessing. I wanted a blessing. You don't get a blessing in the church, typically. You get it in the life of God that flows out. Or or sometimes people say, why did you move to that? I wanted to be fed. Jesus knocked that one on its head, didn't he? He said, my food, said Jesus, is what? Is to do the will of him who sent me. That's where we get fed. The the, the, the real stuff happens out in the deep waters. Even though the glory of God fills the temple, the life of God flows out. He brought me out through the north gate, led me around to the outside, the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. I love that, trickling. The life of God starts with a trickle. We can all start a trickle, can't we? Hello? We can all start a trickle. I mean, a trickle's easy. I love this. Even after a 1,000 cubits, 500 meters out, uh, they're only ankle deep. We can all start a trickle. Imagine what if we started serving coffee to people who pass by on a Sunday morning. Imagine if we did that. A little trickle. Imagine if we knocked on a door a few doors down from our home and just said, can I have a Christmas party? A little trickle. Imagine if we did something like that. Imagine if we created a sewing cafe and just saw what happened. What if a few of us who work in the same hospital, factory, street, village, wherever, let's just start a little trickle and see what happens. And honestly, these trickles are super exciting, aren't they? And we might only feel it's trickle or we might only feel we're ankle deep, but it's pretty cool right now in this trickle, in this ankle deep. And it pushes us further on. Which leads to the fourth thing here. The life of God heads towards the desert. The water flows, verse 8, towards the eastern region, goes down to the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. God's life searches out the desert place. You know, the life of God, the love of Jesus, is what? For the lost, the hurting, the bereaved, the downtrodden, the disappointed, the marginalized, the poor, the sick, the guilty, the spiritually bankrupt, the emotionally crushed, you name it, the life of God seeks people out. He is near to the broken in spirit. 
That's where the life of God can be found. For the Son of Man came to seek all those who had it all together. The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. It's a paradox, isn't it? The greater the desert, couldn't get more of a spiritual desert than the gangsters in New York, and whatever your equivalent of that metaphor is, wherever the desert, or the greater the desert, the mightier the power and the presence of Jesus so often. That was true in his own life, wasn't he? We saw most of the power in the places the religious people wouldn't even go, daren't be seen with, and yet the power of Jesus was released in remarkable ways. By the end of Ezekiel 47, there's a trickle in the sanctuary, but a mighty river out in the desert. Where do you want to be? Where do we want to be? The life of God brings transformation, as we've said already, wherever it goes. Verse 9, swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There'll be large numbers of fish. Who else used fish as a metaphor hundreds of years later? Jesus, oh, you're right with it. Jesus, big, large catch of 153 fish. 153 because that was how many people groups that uh, they believed to be in the world at that time. In other words, this transforming life will reach people of all kinds of uh, backgrounds, economic, socioeconomic, relational, all kinds of niches, whatever type of people you're into, Jesus longs to reach them. So where the river flows, everything will live. The life of God needs lots of fishermen and fisherwomen. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Eglam. There will be places for spreading the nets. The fish will be of many kinds. Isn't that beautiful? The love of God reaches all kinds of people. You know, the, the, the world is kind of um, both together and separate, isn't it? All kinds of different people. Think of, think of a, a little group of people that, that, that you might have an affiliation with. People that love... Um, ah, video games from the 1980s, weird or what, but those people exist. People that love playing tiddlywinks on a Saturday afternoon. People that love whatever it is, whatever you're into. God loves those people. And they create their own little communities and their own little networks. Over the last few years, Evan and I have got into various sailing communities. And you think, God loves them and he died for them. And and the river of God flows towards them. God's heart is for all kinds of fish. That's why we need all kinds of missional communities. That's why we can need all kinds of partners. Have we got enough? No, not at all. Because there are all kinds of fish. Different approaches, different places, different people, different times. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. The life of God still needs The sanctuary. Verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit. Because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. This place needs to be life-giving. It's not the life itself, but it needs to be life-giving. To let the life of God flow out. Um, I'm not sure this metaphor is helpful, but I'm going to risk it. Um, that there, when, when I was a little kid, scale electrics didn't exist. Feel sorry for me. So we had this kind of matchbox car. See? And it would go around a track, and there would be like this mechanism. And when the, when the car went into the box, it would be like a big elastic band that would somehow be released, and it would shoot the car out enough to go around the other loop. 
And somehow that sanctuary, that, that box, like our gathering, gives us that sense of flow of the life of God. But, but unless you go around the track, unless you just, the box was pointless. And there's a sense in which what we do here is in, is in synergy and dance with what God calls us to do as the, as the river of life flows from the altar, from the sanctuary. Let your glory fall in this place and go forth from here to the nations. Nations. The nations. And then we've been asking the question today that Ezekiel asked, that Isaiah asked, that Claire asked, to put those in the same bracket. What do you see? What do you see? Right there in verse 6, it says, do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see the picture? Do you see what God is doing? What do you see? What would it mean to be ankle deep next year? What would it mean to head towards the desert? Do you see it? What do you see? I see a church that is thankful and generous. And the journey that God has us on is an absolute blast. And I I pray above everything about today that you'll go home this afternoon. Super important, exciting things this afternoon. We're going to go around and look at our various mission partners and launch a a community. We're going to hear about a way that we can get involved with one of those partners. We're going to share communion together before we go home, very promptly at three. But my prayer is as we go home, we go, God's doing some great stuff among us and we want to be part of it together. I see a church that is thankful and generous. Thank you, Simon, so much. So much in this morning already. You all look ready for lunch. So we're going to do just a couple of things before we do lunch. Um, We're going to sing together in just a moment. And during that, we are going to take up our offering. We want to thank everybody so much for uh, bringing the harvest offering that you have of of those kind of things. We're going to pray for it in just a moment. We're going to take up our financial offering. This is a way of us uh, worshiping God. It is for those who are part and committed to this family. Simon's already talked about it, uh, so I'm not going to say any more. But we're going to take the offering up as we sing together. If you have children, I think that the Sunday school children, uh, the kids church team would really like to see you. Uh, So during this song, if you could go and collect your children and then you may head straight to lunch because those children will need feeding, I am sure. Uh, And then we're going to have lunch together. Thank you so much to everyone who's brought something to share. That's great. Uh, If you can head that way. This is family time, everyone. So help each other out. Help with the washing up. If someone can hoover afterwards, that would be great. You know, so we are family together in this. Let's serve one another in that. And then we're coming back together, as Simon said, for more this afternoon to hear about how we can be that abundantly generous family together. So let's stand, let's take up our offering, let's collect our kids, and let's worship God who gives us everything that we need, including faith. So, Father, we thank you that you gave it all for us. For God so loved that he gave and We're never more like you when we adopt a giving, generous posture for this harvest offering. We pray that every person that it touches, 
Every person who feels on the outside would feel included. Every person would feel clothed, both physically through what we've brought, and emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. We pray for this food that it would be to people more than just food, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for the generosity that comes with our hearts. So bless the ministries that uh, administer this for Feet for the Street, for Elevenses and other communities that will use these resources in the name of Jesus. And as we share lunch together, may we be reminded that you are the God that provides all of our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.